It was 13 years ago when the man came to me by the name of Claiborne. He was begging for something no man should ever ask without knowing there would be a consequence. Junior man, come out here! I need you! Zuluman! I went to the door knowing that this man was full of dreadful thoughts. What you come here for, Terbana? My wife. She's having our baby. But there's a problem. Which is? My wife is dying. And the doctor doesn't know what to do to save her and the baby. Some children are meant to die, Claiborne. Accept it and save your wife. I will not accept it. You help me. I know you are a tribal medicine man. I know you can save them. I went with Claiborne to his home. But I went reluctantly. When I got there, his wife, Jessica Claiborne, was struggling as she was giving birth to the child. Who is this man? He's here to help. Move out of the way! The doctor removed himself, and I examined the woman while life was coming from her. That's when I saw what the problem truly was. Mrs. Claiborne, there is a choice you will have to make, and it must be your choice alone. It was a choice that would be her undoing 13 years later. Who is this? They said nothing. Only holding the phone as they toyed us in that moment. Although Kilgore was a doctor, seeing someone murdered was a new experience for him. What are we going to do now, Blackstone? Why don't you take a look in the other rooms for evidence while I examine Molly's body? I'll... I'll do that. Kilgore left the room, carefully moving through the rest of the house quietly. I took off my right-hand glove and put my hand on the foot of Rayford Marley. The pain flashed quickly, nearly paralyzing me. My body was becoming Marley's, and I was seeing what he saw. I was transported into Marley's last moments of life. He was walking in his home, hearing nothing, seeing nothing, when suddenly everything went black. He was struck in the back of the head, never seeing who it was. He awakened, and he realized he was tied to his own bed. He can't move at all. And then the blurriness of his eyes, he began to see a childlike figure walking towards him. The closer the figure gets, 
Theodore became. It was her. The one that looks like Lizzie. It was Lydia. A large shadowy creature rose from the darkness of the room. It was a beastly creature with hooves and horns. A creature with a growl that felt like the depths of hell. From behind the young girl's back, she pulls out a large axe, lifts it above her head, and comes down with it upon Wafer Marley's skull. Now you leave me and my sister alone. I snapped out of my trance, and Dr. Kilgore entered just as I fell to the floor. Blackstone, are you all right? Don't touch me! Don't touch me! As I caught my breath, my mind gets focused, trying to come back into reality. Did you see something? We hurried back to the police station, where we were joined by DeLacy Belson. Dr. Kilgore was in an outrage, explaining to Chief Lusk what he had just seen at Rayford Marley's home. As a doctor, I've seen such things in my lifetime, but never like this, Chief. Rayford Marley's brains were splattered all over the place with an axe that was the exact same axe that Jessica Claiborne was killed with. Something strange is amiss here. And what do you expect me to do about these strange things? It doesn't matter. Lizzie was here in your jail when the incident happened, which means she's not the killer. The chief's office became silent as they looked at me for an answer. Tell them something, Blackstone. You were there. You did touch him. Right then, Lizzie's lawyer, Cortland Belson, entered with a document in his hand. This is an order signed by the judge to release my client, young Lizzie Claiborne, from the jail, Chief Lusk. The chief looked at the paper with suspicion, but knows the judge's crest and signature well. The coroner's examination states that Mr. Marley was killed in the same manner as Jessica Claiborne. Same axe and wood. His suspicions is that there is a serial killer on the loose. And you, Police Chief Lusk, need to be after them instead of this little girl. The chief looked at me for comfort. But I could only walk out of the police station in confusion myself. Hardwick, free the girl. Yes, sir. I could hardly breathe. I could hardly see straight knowing what I knew. If there was truly a Lydia coming out of Lizzie, who is she really and what does she want in all this? I took a walk to the pier to catch the wind and smell the blue water beyond the sea of fog. I imagined Lizzie getting out of jail, but I also saw the mob tearing her apart, for they would think she was getting away with murder. The ability to see another person's death is not a gift. It's a curse when a case is not clear and the deeds of men are shrouded in sin. Suddenly, from behind, 
a familiar voice is heard. It was the Lacey Belson. She had followed me here from the police station. I knew you'd be here. Did you? It's where we first... I know. It was a week after your wedding. You said you... knew you had made a mistake marrying a lawyer. You certainly like keeping that thought in your head. What do you want, DeLacy? I want to know... What you're not telling me about Lizzie. Inside Lizzie, there is something evil. She has a spirit in her that comes out when she's asleep. I don't understand. That makes two of us. The only real clue is that Jessica Claiborne and Rayford Marley were the last of the family and both killed, leaving only Lizzie. The last? I reached into my pocket and pulled out the family records, which showed the Claiborne family tree. I let the Lacey look upon it herself. Wait. Here. Next to Lizzie's name. There's another line. Meaning? It means... That there was another child born. But there is no other child. Unless... Unless what? Jesus Christ. Ah! In the vision of Marl is dying, the girl who took his life said something about a sister. Me, my sister alone. As much as I wish I could stay here with you right now, I have to go. Galacy walked up to me with her large and beautiful hazel eyes looking into mine. Usually, I would think nothing of her approach, but I knew right then I was not going to let this moment escape me. I would take this subtle kiss on her soft lips and cherish it like I would never have it again. I could hear the seagulls, I could hear the ocean, I could feel her love again. I went to the Rubinson Cemetery and made my way to Jessica Claiborne's grave. There were several other people there, visiting the graves of their dead loved ones. I could hear the many voices of the dead, some of them I knew and others I did not. I then focused on Jessica Claiborne's gravestone. Below her name was a symbol. It was a Roman numeral two. But no, it was something more. It was a zodiac symbol for Gemini. It was also the symbol for twins. You look sad, Mr. Blackstone. And how do I know you? I know you've seen a demon. You've seen it with your own eyes, you have. Who are you? Thirteen years ago, I was there. June 1st, in the time of Orphidas' full moon. 
that's how she survives. How who survives? The girl, Lydia. What is she? She's the aftermath of a mother's decision. What decision was that? <laughs> you want to know, don't you? <laughs>